This episode of the School of Last podcast is brought to you by Patreon supporter Brian Bates. If you'd like to learn how you can support the podcast through a small recurring monthly donation, visit Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash School of Laughs. Thanks, Brian. Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to this week's podcast. Thanks again to Brian Bates for supporting the podcast, along with about 21 other folks on Patreon. Uh, I haven't talked about Patreon in a few weeks, so just a couple of quick notes about that. When you support the podcast through Patreon, uh, you get to do different things at different levels of support. And even at just $3 a month, you can have one of your jokes fixed on the air. A Fix a Joke episode uh, featured around one of your jokes. And, of course, you get the shout-out at the beginning of the podcast. When you pledge $5 or more, you get all that, plus access to little mini bonus podcasts that are created with some of the guests that I re- you know, interview after the interview is over, we get back on, and they give us some of their top tips. And then at $7 a month or more, you get to hang out on Google Hangouts with me once a month, and you're invited to join Club 52, where you get an email every weekend with a challenge to take your comedy career to the next level. If that interests you at all, just check us out at schooloflads.com forward slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, or you can reverse that, since I'm dyslexic, and do it the other way, too, patreon.com forward slash schooloflads. Hey, today I've got a fun interview with Carrie Pomarelli. If you don't know Carrie, she's out in L.A., been out there for a little while. She's done a lot of cool, different things. We talk a lot about being diverse in the way you approach comedy. Uh, she does stand-up, but she started off doing acting. Then that led to some sketch stuff. She worked with the Groundlings and Second City and did uh, over 20 appearances on tonight's show with Jay Leno doing different sketch stuff, and we talk about that on the show. She's a great lady and uh, a mom as well. She's done the uh, Moms of Comedy thing on Nickelodeon and we talk a little bit about trying to do comedy while you got little ones a lot of good stuff in this interview and I think we should just get right on into it so I'll talk to you on the other side let's go I'm here with Carrie Pomerelli how's it going Carrie I am good Rick thank you for having me thanks for doing this on your birthday and we won't say what year it is but any years are good oh, to have a birthday shy. right I'm not shy I'm 29 and I'm not I'm proud that's good I really am I wish I could remember when I was 29. Uh, well, you know, I, I keep turning 29, but I am I think it's a good year. I'm going to stick with it. Yeah, that's a good plan. So uh, a lot of our listeners, uh, some know you from different things you've, you've done, and they've worked with you, I'm sure. Uh, but for those that don't know, Carrie, tell them a little bit about where you're at right now, and then we'll jump back to what got you here. Just a little snapshot of what's going on in your world these days. Um, where I'm at right now is my bedroom hiding from everyone watching Gilmore Girls eating uh-huh. Um, popcorn. But um, in my professional life, I have been celebrating 12 years as a professional full-time stand-up comic. And uh, I moved to Los Angeles, California from Michigan. uh, Oh my gosh, it's crazy. 20 years ago. And I I was a child actor and a theater actor and got my BFA in, in musical theater and always was a performer. And I studied abroad and did lots of shows and toured and then landed in Los Angeles. Um, like a lot of us acting, uh, 22 playing 16 year olds and, um, sort of in the rat race. And I had some success in the television 
world, which was, which fun television and film. And I got to work on general hospital and young and the restless. And one of my, I guess, biggest, biggest credits, I guess, is I, I got to work with, um, Jay Leno. I believe it was 29 episodes on the tonight show doing sketch. And, um, I've always been drawn to comedy. I never was drawn to be a comedian by any means. I was more comfortable just doing comedic writing and working with the groundlings. Um, if they are not familiar with the groundlings, Will Ferrell and Sherry O'Terry and a lot of really great performers came out of the groundlings. And then I went over to second city, which uh, comedy fans would know John Candy and James Belushi and a lot of amazing performers. And I spent a couple years there and making a very, very long story short, got into stand up, um, very much a twist of fate. And, uh, it literally uh, took over my life. I found my, uh, I guess you could say calling Rick mm -hmm. and um, never looked back. And at this point um, that has branched out into amazing things like book writing and, and being a screenwriter and work, working with television writing and um, just using uh, the gift of comedy. And I'm for forgetting the most important part of my life is I work in the faith-based market and um, comedy has allowed me to have a completely wonderful journey as um, uh, a faith-based performer, but also do ministry. Um, so my life is very bipolar. I might be at a drag bar on a Tuesday night in Hollywood doing stand-up comedy and um, literally preaching a sermon on a Sunday morning the next weekend. But um I think for people like us, it keeps things fresh and exciting. Oh, I like it. There's a lot of ground to cover in there, but a lot of good stuff. Um, let's, let's talk about when you were doing the sketch stuff on The Tonight Show. How did that start out for you? And then maybe a, a favorite sketch um, or two that you I did. Auditioned, I auditioned for Scott Atwell, and you needed to bring in a scene. And my scene partner and I actually wrote our own material back then because we wanted it to be fresh and funny. And so we did that, and Scott Atwell called me and um, uh, the joke I like to say is I really moved to LA to do two things, Mary Matt Damon and win an Academy Award. And little did I realize that when I was in my dressing room at the Tonight Show, next door to me was Matt Damon and uh, Ben Affleck, which I really always say, <laughs> I feel like Matt really missed it with me. He didn't hear from God the way I had. And um, <laughs> as I like to say, that's how I got my first restraining order. But uh I, and then it just, I ended up doing a sketch with them and then they had current events sketch. So one of my favorite things, and this is dating, dating a while back, but I played uh, Jenna Bush, the Bush daughters. And that was really when they were, I think that was the early 2000s. And I would play, you know, whether it was Britney Spears or gosh, I mean, it's been a while now, like Tanya Harding, or we would do funny sketches and they had a rotating cast. Uh -huh. where we would get called in on a moment's notice and say, you know, we're going to do a Mary Kay Letourneau sketch. And I worked with Jay up until his, I believe his last season when Fallon came on. And it, uh, I can honestly tell you, it was just always a joy. He walks in the room and shakes everyone's hand. He, um, a little trivia about Jay is he is a little bit superstitious. So he wears the exact same outfit every single day of his work life which is a denim shirt and jeans the same he must have like 30 uh -huh. of these denims uh it's the same denim shirt it's the same jeans but um and if you're really nice to the hair and makeup people they will introduce you to the guests you know like john travolta and like um you know we did funny sketches with isaac from the love boat and so it's either like the biggest stars in hollywood or they would pull in kind of weird 
funny caricatures. You just never knew who's going to pop up on, on the lot that day. And uh, I, I'm just really grateful. It was great. It was a great experience. That sounds cool. Was that after you had done the Groundlings in Second City or was it? Before? No, actually it was before. Really? I was, well, I did Jay's show for like a seven year period. Um, you know, I was, I guess I was an actor. I did a, a scene that was written. It wasn't sketch. It was like an actual scene. And then during the time where I was in LA, just trying to figure things out, it's so hard to be in LA as an actress. And at that point I was, you know, a blonde with blue eyes in my early twenties and what the heck are you going to do? And I was also a Christian, so I wanted to do clean material. And I remember just being so frustrated. And uh, sketch comedy helped me learn that I could participate in comedy, Rick, and then not be compromised with how dirty it was because I was sort of responsible for my own material. Right. Yeah. So when you got into your stand-up, did you do a lot of characters early on from having the background with doing no, sketch? Uh, well, here's the funny thing. The people at Comedy Central used to be like, I love uh, that dumb, blonde, ditzy Christian girl. And um, it's oh, like, no. that's <laughs> not an act. But um, so I would do a caricature of me. You know, I was like a Catholic girl that would date Jewish boys all the time. And so I kind of was like, I'm like JFK, Jews for Carrie. And uh, just sort of my everyday life became material. Um, my comedy just went so fast. I started taking comedy with Judy Carter on, on like a total whim mm -hmm. after Second City. I was with Second City. I was on main stage with them and still feeling compromised because even at Second City, the material was so on any given day, it could just be so compromising or dirty and you don't have all that much control. And being the ultimate control freak, you know, stand up comedy seemed to offer that. And I ended up on stage at the improv, the world's famous improv. And uh, it was comic number 23. And I remember out of 40 being like, this is crazy. Like, they're not going to get me. I'm so clean. And um, it's funny, on my birthday, the manager of the improv just contacted me today. And this was such a long time ago. But I was the only comic really asked back that night. And there was a young manager there named Michael Montijo. And he's like, I really see something in you. I really see something. And he helped me kind of get some of my first gigs and um, make me feel like this is something I could really do with my life. That's awesome. So a little little encouragement from somebody that saw Absolutely. a million dirty and comics still, and then one clean one. Like yeah, that. yeah. And we're still friends. You know, I still, I think it's always important to remember who, who helps you. That's awesome. And so not too long after getting into stand-up, uh, started to be a mom, right? Actually, Rick, it was I got into stand up when I was 29, and there was a crazy spiked haired Korean guy working the door at the improv who was helping me get um, spots. And then we ended up on the road together in Ohio with a comedian named Bone. And um, this yeah. Korean guy had the donut, so I sat by him. And um, I guess it was whoever I was going to sit by that day because I ended up getting married to that comedian. Um, Ron McGee. And so that was probably really funny because, you know, I get into stand up and then fall in love with a comedian right. with no, and no car. I'm like, what? And, uh, and then I became a mom maybe two, three years, maybe three years later. And I thought, oh, this is going to slow down. Like, this is totally going to slow down. Ron and I were on the road a lot doing shows together. And I had Lucy. I mean, I swear, six weeks later, I was back on stage with the baby. Like, <laughs> it, it was crazy. That kid's been all over the world. And I'm like, and then I got pregnant with my second one, like, three years later. I'm like, this is totally going to slow down. I'm like, this has to slow down. And 
I mean, we were on stage with the kid, the six-week-old, in a baby carriage, like, on stage. The other one's, like, sitting under the table. It didn't slow down for a second. Like, it just it just didn't. I, I'm living proof that um, kids are very flexible because we didn't have a choice. Like, that's how mommy made a living. So, that's, that's my kids would just get on the airplane with us and... And go, you know. No, I think that's smart. You know, let the kids adjust to your life because if you try to adjust into theirs, it's going to change every three minutes. <laughs> yeah, and they've had such a good life. They're so grateful. I'm always blaming my daughter. I'm like, and the award for most ungrateful child, you know, as we all do as parents. But I mean, they've had such amazing experience. They've gotten to go on cruises, and you know, so many of my milestone moments have revolved around comedy. I remember when I was pregnant with my first child, I was on a cruise with Mike Williams and Bob Smiley, and a bunch of musical artists and I gave her on a Valentine's card and it, it had a Spanish pregnancy test on it. Cause I had taken a pregnancy test in Mexico and in Mexico, this pregnancy test didn't say yes or no. I just had a man with a Mexican sombrero dancing and we're like, I think that's positive, you know, oh. <laughs> I had those moments like sitting around with comics and it's been an interesting journey. Just a lot of my milestone moments, you know, have revolved around being with comedians or, my comedy world. Yeah. What What were some of your favorite uh, comics to work with, or even today when uh, you hit the road? Well, yeah. I'm well. Sherry Shepard, who is uh, probably familiar to most mm -hmm. of your fans, she was on The View, and um, you know she's just great. And people don't realize that Sherry Shepard, she's an actress and she's in a lot of movies. But her, as you know, Rick, like her stand up is amazing. She is insanely talented. And, she took me on the road when she didn't have to, and she would pay my way and um, really just gave me so many of my breaks. Just um, And I've, I've tried to do that. I've tried to pay it forward. I worked with Kristen Weber and Lisa Mills and some other up-and-comers, and, -comers and um, I loved working with Carlos Oscar. Carlos Oscar, have you ever had him on your show? I have not. But you know Carlos, right? Yes. I mean, Carlos is one of those comics where you do comedy with him and I remember early on, and I'd open, and I'd do fine, and it was like a Latino crowd at like 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, oh, it's pretty good, and then he would come on stage, and he was so good that I would just sit backstage and just weep and be like, I'm quitting, I'm quitting, I can never measure up to him. And so it was funny years later to do a show with him, because he's so unstoppable, and he's just such a machine and to have a friend, it was like the ultimate com compliment. She's like, I thought you were just as funny as anybody on that stage. And like to do a show with Carlos and to become a peer and a friend. Um, I've worked with everybody. I mean, um, but those are two that really uh, wanted to, I wanted to be better. You know, yeah. I think it's always good to work with people that you want to step up. And um, I know you're very active in our association, um, Christian Comedy Association and I don't like performing with peers and usually through the years when I would perform with peers and do the showcases, it was 99% guys and like two girls through the years. And I remember feeling like this is a guy's locker room. They're high five and they're like chummy chum backstage. Like, yeah, yeah. And I'm such a girl. I'm like a perfectionist. And I just would be the nerves, you know, the nerves were just insane. I have to go out there and uh, represent female comics. And then, you know, through the years now, I, I laugh about that because I should have just enjoyed the moment. Um, I love other female comics. One of my favorites of all time is Angela Hoover. She's a very good friend of mine. She was on America's Got Talent. And she's had her own TV show. And we have a great uh, writing partnership. But um, 
we give each other pep talks all the time. And I said, Angela, like, I have to remind you that when I was starting out, I couldn't listen to you go before me because you were so insanely good that you were so good. It would make me go. I don't want to go after her. I don't want to follow her, but it's just comics like that, that have, um, you know, made me work harder. I really think hard work is so key in this business. Really, really, really hard work. Like there were so many shows that I would come back to my hotel and go, I could cry. And it was a good solid 8.5. But if it wasn't a 10, I was never happy. And that was due to people that really gave me that mentorship early on. That was like, you will work as hard as you can and it will pay off. Yeah, no doubt about that. And you still write some stuff with Angela? Yeah, Angela and I, yeah, we work together and we still talk all the time. And, um, you know, it's it's been fun. I've, I've worked with uh, a young younger Lisa Mills. I've taken her on the road with me for the past few years and Kristen Weber and um, it's been fun. I've actually, you know, as I've gotten older and more in the business, I've actually really enjoyed coaching. Um, I kind of started, a, I realized, I'm like, oh, I've learned so much and I can pay this forward. And there were comics all over the country that would say, you know, if you could just help me like a little bit. And so I ended up starting this thing called The Laugh Doctor, which is one of the things I'm doing right now. And um, I just help whether you're an up-and-coming comics or comics that just want to get better. And I realized that giving them an hour of my time or, like, we have an hour session, I can really help them learn what took me years to learn and just help them focus, you know, with their writing and everything. Absolutely. And it keeps you sharp as well. It does. It does. That's cool. And I know, too, that you have done more than just comedy and sketches. You're doing some speaking as well. Tell me a little bit about that and what direction that's headed. Um, Yes. Uh, well, basically, that's a funny story. After doing comedy for 12 years, I was speaking to a friend of mine who's in the National Speakers Association. And truth be told, Rick, the conversation was, um, oh, you get paid what for comedy? And I get paid this for speaking. And <laughs> I picked my job off the floor and I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, you know, she was talking about corporate gigs and their budgets are very different because, you know, and I know a lot of times a comedy show will call me and be like, listen, Carrie, we love you. We're huge fans. We have a $5 bill, and we're going to split it in half. Right. And we're going to get half of that and a pizza. And uh, so I was like, how are you making this money in corporate, and what are you doing? She's like, nothing you can't do. And so I ended up um, training and coaching with her. Kelly Swanson is her name. Mm -hmm. And writing a keynote speech. And then it's just funny how how the world works. I ended up attending National Speakers Association this summer thinking, man, I'm really going to launch my speaking career. I'm really going to launch my, I'm hoping. And the one big contact that I made ended up being a comedy manager that I just signed with, Al McCree, who manages um, Jeannie Robertson. Uh -huh. you know yes. Jeannie? Oh, I know Al really well. And I know Jeannie. Oh, okay, so isn't it funny? Like, and Al's great. So I go all the way to NSA to be this keynote, keynote, keynote. He's like, I just think you're funny. Like, let me help you be funny. That's and I'm great. like, what about my keynote? It's so great. He's like, okay, later, but let, let's just work on it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, are they going to pay me? I'll do whatever. So it's, um, I always kind of wake up and go, God, what are we doing today? Because I can never figure it out. As the old saying goes, we plan and God laughs. Um, I never know what's coming around the bend. But uh, this month, November, I have my one of my dream jobs. I'm very excited and as you know, Rick, in this business, the phone rings and it just changes. Um, 
I got a call from uh, the ad agency that's representing the Hershey Corporation in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and they had been looking for, um, I guess, what they called a celebrity host or whatever that was funny, and I guess maybe um, celebrities aren't that funny or they couldn't find one, <laughs> but they, they asked me. Some people call me a celebrity. I always laugh. I'm like, well, there's like four people on Facebook. But um, it's hard to find funny women to host a baking television project that they're producing. And uh, after a lot of phone calls and a lot of interviews and a lot of hurry up and wait, I I booked the job. And I'm flying to Hershey, Pennsylvania in two weeks. So I'm pretty excited. So that'll be an ongoing TV series? I don't know, Rick. I don't know if it's like a one-time pilot. It's, It's very much up in the air right now, but I really love hosting. I think comedians are, they make great hosts and it's just easy. Right. Um, you it's always come easy. Cool from all so. your skills. <laughs> so we'll see what happens, but that's sort of, um, and uh, in the world of comedy, you'll maybe the fans will appreciate this. So the new manager, he's out of Nashville and he said, you know, I want you to, meet with this agent and this agent wants to see you. And I've been doing comedy, you know, for 12 years, I have all the confidence in the world, but this agent come to find out is one of the biggest agents in Hollywood. They represent Louis CK as far as actors, they represent Al Pacino. And, uh, he called me like on an afternoon, I was coming home from a camping trip with my family. And he's like, this guy wants to see you in a club in LA. And I immediately, we had the, the SUV, the family, Ron, the two girls, I just look like a homeless person. I'm like, I got to get to a club right now. I got to get to a club. He's like, Ron's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, no, I'll take an Uber home. So I didn't have anything to wear. And we went to a thrift store and I bought a dress at a thrift store. I'm changing in like the post office parking lot. (laughs) And I just show up at this open mic thing. The kids are in the car. I'm like, just go home. You know, I got to do this. He's like, okay, you're crazy. (laughs) And then, so I do this open mic. And then I met this girl and she's like, I'm going to another open mic. I'm like, where are you going? She's like a drag bar. I'm like, let's do this. So I just got so focused on, can I be good for this agent? You know? And so I started doing open mics with comedians that had been brand new to the business. Don't know me. Don't. And I'm like, can I make this open mic crowd laugh hysterically? And um, it's, it's been an interesting journey because I truly believe you got to put the work in at whatever level you're at. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, you can't take can't take much time off, or else everything gets a little wordy and the synapses don't. Yeah, fly and off I stage. think I think that's a danger in doing private shows. And um, when you have an hour to do by yourself all the time, you get exactly you get really wordy. And um, when you've got an open mic crowd and it's eleven o'clock at night and you've got four minutes, you got to go up and hit it hard. Or even I did coffee shops. In between you and me, Rick, it was kind of brutal, and I'm like. Oh my gosh! I'm glad I've graduated from the season of my my life watching 35 comics do jokes about like pornography and you know like right. you name it. It's very dirty. Um, but I was like, I'm glad I did it because I feel I'm doing my showcase. I think in two weeks, I feel like I can I can hang. You know? Yeah, I mean, if you can make your stuff, the clean stuff, funny in that environment, that's that's like a double win. You know? It's it's painful to say the least but yes I, yeah i know I, I still have quite I a few open mics and stuff around town and it's uh it's different but at the same point if i can fit in there and do well then when i get to my own gigs it's it pops really hard you know you know and we're, we need to be grateful my friend angela said to me i was telling her i said you know it's just frustrating 
even at every level, wherever we are, we all are frustrated. We're not at the next level. We're not getting whatever Comedy Central specials. Or, and she said, Carrie, you pay your bills with your dreams. Like your dream to be a professional stand-up comic. And that's how you pay your bills. There's not a lot of people that can say that they do that. Like breathe and be grateful and enjoy that. And it was really profound because we're so busy trying to survive and thrive that we don't realize that this is a really big gift that we get to do this. Oh, absolutely. And I think somebody said recently, I wish I could remember who said it, but like comparison is the thief of joy. So as soon as you start trying to see what you don't have, you don't even recognize what you do have. And, you know, this business is hustle. It's a big hustle business and you can't rest and you can't sit down and you're always trying to get to the next level, whether that's speaking or, you know, all that. But if we don't just breathe and go, man, this is amazing. Like I do this and people pay me money. Like, thank you, God. You know, and I, I promised, I really did. I remember saying a prayer when I was doing telemarketing sales for cell phones saying, God, if you would just let me be a comic, I will never be ungrateful. I will never complain. So sometimes I'm stuck in an airplane for eight hours on the tarmac. And God's like, you could be selling cell phones right now. You know, I'm like, okay. <laughs> can you I'm hear me now? <laughs> exactly right. That's hilarious. Well, it sounds like you've got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, good luck with that Hershey's gig. That'd be sweet. And you. you might be able to pocket a lot of free chocolate out of that. Well, my kids are, uh, that's what they're counting on. Yeah, and too bad it's not in the summer because they've got that theme park up there, too. Well, you know, I worked at that theme park. That's why this job is kind of funny. I did an entire summer doing rock and roll shows at Hershey Park. You did? I did. How old were you? Was that in high school in between? or 21. I was in college, and I got my, my equity card. They actually have really good productions. Like, we had to go to New York and audition, and they had Broadway choreographers, and it was five shows a day, and we were super young and skinny, and we ate ice cream for dinner, you know, to handle that kind of schedule. That's awesome. And um, I have to ask, I'm sure people are wondering, does do you and Ron get competitive with who's funniest and that kind of stuff oh, around the gosh. house? No, 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 not at all. It's very clear that he's funnier than me. But um, no, uh, for all the years, we shared the same bank account. I think it was like... I'm rooting for you to work. Uh, a lot. So, um, no, I, I, I truly, you know, if you ever prove the theory that funny guys get chicks, you know what I mean? It was just, I, uh, I did a show with him and Rich Prater. It was so many years ago. And I mean, the biggest compliment you can ever give a comedian is that you're trying to do his jokes, but I was just enamored with his jokes. I just thought he was insane. Like he's just such a quick wit. And now that we've procreated children, uh, that are genetically predispositioned by two comics. It's kind of like Frankenstein, but um, they're so fast. You know, our kids are just, my, my, when my daughter was in first grade and she was struggling with behavior and talking, and I said, Lucy, you got to get this together. Mommy struggled with this her whole life. She goes, geez, Mom, I don't want to end up like you. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, my, I think between my two kids, I'm the, maybe the third funniest person in the house. I might be the fourth. Right, right, right. Which I don't mind at all. You get a lot of material from your kids as well, and that's kind of the that's the trade off of staying up all night and waiting for your one hour of freedom when they go to bed. You are correct. You are correct. Well, that's cool. Well, just looking back over all the stuff you've done, is there a couple of little pieces of advice you would give somebody that's just starting to think about dipping their toes into doing some stand up for the first time? 
Um, I think learning the craft is important. I don't think it's possible to go out there and wing it. Um, Judy Carter's book was excellent, The Comedy Bible. I think taking a stand-up class, um, it's, it is, it, people say it's an acquired skill, but I believe that comics have a certain type of brain. I can tell pretty quickly, um, you know, mm-hmm. if, if your brain thinks funny. I think you could probably be coached, you know, to be, I think there's, I mean, I think a true comic, there's just a way that the brain works. We, Carlos Oscar says, people say funny things and comics say things funny. Um, but really being excellent at your craft, like being really committed. If you really want to do this, it's going to take time. It's not um, something that you can try for six months and go, I'm ready to go do 30 minutes. As my one of my first coaches, he said, it might take 50, 60 shows before you have five minutes that you can be proud of. And so try to go for having five minutes. And if you feel like you can't get stage time, you know, goodness gracious, go to the Elks Lodge and say, I'll host your next event. Teach a Sunday school class. Like there's, there's always opportunities to get in front of people. Don't focus on the end game. Start right now with saying, I want to learn how to tell a joke, one joke. I want to learn how to do a setup and a punchline. And once I can do that, I can learn how to tell two jokes. But there's no skipping the process. There's just no shortcuts. That's good. I'm 100% on board with all that right there. Very cool. Carrie, I know you tweet. You want to give me your Twitter and uh, website? Okay. Yes. Um, I'm Carrie Palm, K E R R I P O M. And uh, that's Instagram and Twitter. And then through those guys, you can find me on Facebook. I have an inappropriately um, addictive relationship with Facebook and Twitter. It's very unhealthy. So you can find me on there way too much. <laughs> But um, I look forward to connecting with uh, with anybody. Very cool. And it's uh, carriepalm.com? Yeah, Carrie. And if you don't mind, I, can I give out my other website? The one Absolutely. where I coach comics? It's called yeah. The Laugh Doctor, D-R period, uh, dot com, The Laugh Doctor. And that's where I help comedians with their writing or speakers or anybody that wants to add humor to anything that they're working on. Absolutely. Cool. I'll put those in the show notes, too. And you guys tra- track her down, follow her. You'll see how, how funny she is and how frequently she posts. She puts me to shame on those. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Well, happy birthday again, and thanks for taking time out okay. to hang out today. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Carrie Pomarelli, very fun gal, and uh, she's very prolific on social media. So if you want to follow her, go to Carrie Pom. That's K E R R I. Pom, P-O-M dot com, Carrie dot com, and you can link to all of her social media right from there. Follow her however you follow people. She's got a YouTube channel, Facebook. Uh, she's linked to her Instagram and Twitter there, and she does tweet quite a bit, tweets a lot about uh, her kids, as we all do as we're parents, but she's very funny when she does it, and especially if you're a mom out there, I think there's no reason why you shouldn't be connecting with Carrie right now. Uh, send her a tweet, tell her you listen to her on the podcast, and thank her for doing it. That's the way we like to do it here at the School of Laughs. Hey, a couple of quick upcoming events that you might want to be aware of. If you'd like to take the writing class in Nashville, we're going to gear up very soon, November 7, 21, and 28. It's a three-session class and uh, lots of fun, two hours each night, 6 to 8 p.m. Email me, schooloflast at gmail.com if you want to learn more about taking that uh, live writing class. The online class is always there at schooloflast.com, but the live class just a few times a year, so take advantage of that.
if you're in the Philadelphia area, I'm going to be up there for a few days and doing a couple of shows while I'm there with a lot of my Christian Comedy Association buddies. Uh, starts off Saturday, November 12th, 7 p.m. I'll be in Brookhaven, PA at the Faith Community Church. And you can find out more about tickets by going to, uh, just call this number, 610-872-2229. Again, that's 610-872-2229. And the uh, tickets there are $10 at the reservation, 15 at the door. Or you can buy a family pack, $25. That's two adults, two children, and y'all can sit together and make sure your kids don't interrupt the show when you're doing it that way. I'll be joined that night by Al Smith and Dan Culp along with Gordon Douglas, and we're raising money for a good cause. Uh, Pregnancy Center, I believe, that night. So you want to jump in there and be a be a supportive person and help those folks out. On Sunday, November 13th, the next day, I'll be at Glenside Church, New Life Glenside Church in Glenside, Pennsylvania. That show is free, and there's going to be a, a slew of comedians on that, including Ross Bennett, who you've seen on Letterman, Tonight Show, you name it, he's been on it, uh, Rhonda Corey, Jeanette Cronk, we got Al Smith, Cornbread the Comic, Dan Culp, Sandy Joy, who you've heard on this podcast, and Gordon Douglas again, my buddy from the previous night. So lots of comedy going on in the Philadelphia area. I would love to meet you, talk to you after the show, hang out, and be part of a couple of good nights of good, clean comedy. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed, Carrie. Thanks again for supporting the podcast through Patreon. And uh, thanks for listening and spreading the word about the podcast. If you can't donate money, spread the word about this show so more people get some uh, use out of it and be better comics down the road. Y'all be good, be funny, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaps.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.